Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. Uh, If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Mark this morning, the book of Mark. And uh, we're going through a series now called Contact, and it's just, it's different contact points that Jesus had with other people, uh, different encounters that Jesus had as he uh, went from city to city and um, how that affected the people that he had in contact with. And uh, last week, Pastor Ryan did a great job of starting us uh, off with someone that Jesus had come in contact with and their life was never the same. Because how many of you guys know that when you have a, a contact moment with Jesus, your life is never the same, right? Uh, when you have that, maybe you remember that first initial moment of uh, that first time you just had an encounter with Jesus or a special time you remember. And we're going to talk today about someone in the Bible that's different from everyone else when it comes to miracles. And this is the healing of the uh, the blind man, Mark chapter 8. And uh, before we begin, have has anyone been doing any sort of remodeling in their house during COVID time. I know uh, Paul and Cheryl and I always have great conversation about uh, things that have been successful, things had that have uh, been pain, uh, things that have not worked out. Uh, but many of us during this times in COVID, I remember right at the start, they had everything kind of shut down. You didn't have a whole lot to do. And I guess Home Depot, Lowe's, and some of those other places were running out of wood and supplies because people were getting them so fast. Because then finally, hey, we're not going on vacation. Let's build a deck. Hey, we're not doing this anymore. Let's add a bathroom. Let's add value to our home. And so uh, at this time, we've actually been doing a little bit of remodeling at our house and uh and little things i mean don't get don't get crazy i'm not hgtv or anything like that but uh we've done a little uh here and there so i decided okay i'm going to remodel a little bit of our half bath so half bath powder room you know it's got the vanity it's got the toilet the sink not a big deal right we did a little flooring you know i dabble a little bit in that so we, uh, we take out the toilet, and, and let me just start out by saying I'm more, when it comes to working on the house, I'm more of a Tim the Toolman Taylor. I'm great at, anyone remember a home improvement? Yes? Okay. So I'm more of a Tim the Toolman Taylor where I'm great at demo. I'm great at taking stuff out. Putting stuff back together is um, the thorn in my side that I'm trying to work through at the moment. Anyway, so take out the toilet. Great. I mean, now, now before we begin, I watch a couple of Home Depot videos, a couple of YouTube videos, jot down my notes, keep my computer open. Um, they tell you what to do, how to do it. Does anyone notice in those videos there's never like anything that goes wrong? Anyone ever noticed that before? It took me a while to figure that out, but in every video, any sort of tutorial, it's like, this is how you remove the toilet. They didn't say anything if something springs a leak or if this gets stuck or any of that. It's just everything works out perfect. Oh, those bolts just came right up on there. Oh, that wax seal just woo, all in one piece. And so it, it's not very realistic because there's no struggle within that video. So we get, you know, I get the toilet out. Uh, we lay, get the vanity out, you know, all that stuff set, set the new flooring. And then it's time to finally get the, um, in the toilet, there's like the wax seal and the flange, right? I know I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. 
but I watched a lot of videos. So wax seal, you know, that comes out. It's an older toilet. The flange had a little bit of work, so I'm prying it, opening it. I, I watched the video. Then I, I can't watch a Home Depot video anymore. I have to watch uh, a video how to when your flange gets stuck or how to remove, so I switched to another video. Okay, that doesn't look too bad. Finally, a couple hours later, it said it was a 30-minute job on Home Depot. They lie. So finally, a couple hours later, you know, I finally popped that flange off, and I see this other kind of uh, thing sitting in there, and I was like, you know, what is that? So I go on another video, and the video has this guy pulls out his reciprocating sawzall and saws off the top. I'm like, oh, well, that looks about what I have going on here. So I send my, uh, my friend in Florida a picture because he's redoing his bathroom. I'm like, oh, the struggles of these worksmen that we are, these handymen. I mean, we can just, you know, all this stuff. And then finally, I text my neighbor, uh, Jim, who likes to help me out when uh, things get broken or I break them. And so I text him. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? I'm supposed to put this insert in. This other insert this other person put in is stuck. And he's like, uh, yeah, that wasn't the insert. That was part of the pipe. You just cut part of the part of the um, the sewer pipe off. And so, oh, nothing's like. I mean, you guys sound like real like whoa. Nothing was springing a leak or anything like that. Like thing, it was. I just cut the top of the pipe. So I'm like, what kind of fix are we talking about over here? And he's like, well, you're lucky. You can get away with about a twenty dollar fix. So he likes to bail me out of stuff. So I called him up. He came over the next day. He said, and what had happened was that I compared one video of taking out um, a toilet and I compared another video of someone who I'd put a toilet in that was way uh, earlier than I had put mine in. So if you guys know much about toilets, you put a wax seal on, you seal it on there. Well, now they sell these inserts that if you don't set it right the first time, you just put the insert in again, you adjust it, and you move on. Well, I had thought the person who put the toilet in before had put the plastic insert, but it was actually uh, part of the coupler that went on top of the pipe. So we figured it out. Uh, you know, Jim, my, my neighbor, he cut it, he glued it, everything. It worked out great, and I ended up saving a ton of money. Now, the problem with all this is that I just... I watched one video and I compared it to another video of two different situations. So I tried to take one video of how to remove a toilet and when something gets stuck, and then I compared it to another video of someone who had previously put in a toilet and something actually did get stuck. And I combined those because I thought, well, if he took this out, then he should take this out too because it's the same video, right? And a lot of times we do that uh, in our everyday lives, don't we? We, um, we? we go on and we compare some other people's miracles to something that we're experiencing, and we kind of compare and go, wait a second, God, how come you did that in that person's life, but you didn't do that in my life? I prayed, I prayed for a new job because I was just tired of my other job. I prayed for this new job, God. How come uh, Janine over here, she got a job within a week, I got yelled at by my boss yesterday. There's not much of an answer to prayer there, is there, God? I thought, there, what, what's going on here? And a lot of times we compare someone's situation or miracle to someone else's and how God is working in their life. And so today, we're going to look at possibly the only recorded miracle that Jesus did that was not instantaneous. 
That was not instantaneous. And uh, we're going to read through now Mark chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 22 this morning. And it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. I'm going to be reading from the message version. And so Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. They arrived at Bethsaida. Some people brought a sightless man and begged Jesus to give him a healing touch. Taking him by the hand, he led him out of the village. He put spit in the man's eyes, laid hands on him, and asked, Do you see anything? He looked up. I see men. They look like walking trees. So Jesus laid hands on his eyes again. The man looked hard and realized that he had recovered perfect sight, saw everything in bright, 2020 focus. Jesus sent him straight home, telling him, don't enter the village. And so we see this story here. 2020 just caught my eye. Did it catch your eye? We've seen so many negativity in 2020, and Jesus here leaves him with 2020 vision. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so we're looking at the story here. And what I want to do is I want to try to go through the story. I want to kind of, when, when I see stories with Jesus, I like to put myself in that story, right? So I like to be like, okay, the story's happening. I'm going to set myself in there. What am I thinking? What am I seeing? What are these people thinking? What are these people seeing in regards to this story? So we're going to kind of break it down. And at the end, I want to uh, pull out a couple of main points from the story that we can use in our everyday lives that can help change and transform us. So it starts out in the scripture, it says, some people brought to him a blind man. Some people brought to him a blind man. Uh, don't you guys just love that God loves using people? God loves using people. Uh, maybe you have a story to tell of how you came to know Jesus. Maybe you have that grandma or that grandpa that did not stop praying for you. Maybe it was that special person that invited you to church. Maybe it was that coworker that said, hey, watch this online. Maybe it was uh, some family member that persisted, and you are so happy that they did because it helped you to encounter Jesus. God loves using people, and in this instance, he uses a group of people to, to bring this blind man to Jesus. I encourage you today to find some people that will help bring you closer to Jesus. Find some people that will help encourage you. Find some people that will help call you out in a loving way saying, hey, uh, what you're doing right now in life is not what God has best for you. And I'm doing this out of love because I care about you. Find those people that will pray for you at an instant where you know for a fact you can call, you you can text people and say, hey, I need some prayer right now, please pray for me. And you know for a fact they're not just sending prayer vibes to you, but they're actually praying for you. Find some people like that in your life. Find some people that will encourage you, that will push you closer and closer to Jesus every step of the way. When things are tough, when things are awful, you can call and text and message those people and say, hey, I need you to pray for me right now. And with some words of encouragement, they'll have you getting closer to Jesus. Find those kind of people in your life. Uh, the great theologian Denzel uh, said, if you hang around five confident people, this is a quote he said, if you hang around five confident people, you will be the sixth. If you hang around five intelligent people, you will be the sixth. 
If you hang around five millionaires, you will be the sixth. And finally, if you hang around five idiots, you'll be the sixth. And he said this in accepting an award, and it makes perfect sense. You are who you hang out with. Young people, if you're watching or listening this morning, find people you hang out with that will better you. Don't hang out just all the time with, with, with the idiots because eventually, yes, you become the sixth. You are who you hang out with. You want to grow closer to Jesus? What do you do? Hang out with other people who are close with Jesus or who you want to grow closer to Jesus with. Now, some people might be thinking, hang out with millionaires and I become a millionaire. That sounds great. I'll just hang out with them. They just give me a bunch of money. Hey, guess what? They're going to be too busy working. They're not going to have time to hang out with you unless you're helping them. A lot of times you, you want uh, better money management. Hang out with people who know how to manage their money. Maybe you're looking to eat healthier or, or go to the gym or work out more. 2021 is the year for you. Find and hang out with people who work out and eat better. You go to a restaurant with a bunch of people who don't have the same goals you do. Hey, you guys want to hit up uh, McDonald's? I'll get, uh, you know, Big Mac and all that other stuff. And, and they know you're trying to watch what you eat. That's not going to help very much, is it? Find and hang out with people who have the same goals in mind that you do. You are who you hang out with. You know, the Bible has something to say about that. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise becomes wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. You are who you hang out with. The Bible has something to say about that, right? You want to be wise? Hang out with wise people. You want to be foolish? Hang out with foolish people. I wish I had... I had known that verse when I was a little bit younger. You know, I could kind of had uh, uh, maybe helped a little bit with some of the experiences I got in trouble with. Uh, you know, some decisions that just, just idiotic decisions that I made because I was hanging out with idiots. So it's very important here that we realize that people brought the blind man to Jesus. It doesn't mention their names or anything like that. If I was in that story and I'd brought someone to Jesus, and then eventually I saw that the blind man got healed, I'd probably go up like, hey, uh, Mark, you're documenting this, right? Uh, C.J. Hernandez. Yes, I brought the blind man to Jesus, and he was healed. Can you mark that down? I want to make the, you know, the Bible someday. But, uh, you know, they were probably more interested in the testimony, the, the healing that was about to take place than their names or anything about them. Find yourself some people that push you closer to God. God loves using us to further his kingdom. So we continue on with the story, and it says that Jesus then led him out of the village away from the people, and then he touched him. Now, uh, back then, there was a Levitical law where Jesus could not touch people that, that were considered unclean. And what I mean by unclean is, back then, if you had some sort of ailment or some sort of sickness, that almost showed that, it, it, that sin was involved in your life. And so maybe someone was paralyzed, some, maybe someone was blind, maybe someone uh, was sick, leprous. They were considered unclean. The lepers would actually yell in their group of other lepers, unclean, unclean, for people to stay away because back then it was not kosher for a rabbi to touch an unclean person, someone that was ill, because that showed they had sin in their life they had to get rid of. Oh, you're sick? You better get rid of that sin in your life. 
And so Jesus, as usual, he goes against the grain when it comes to the law. He reaches out and he leads him by the hand. Uh, a point I want to make is the fact that Jesus loves dealing with the unclean, doesn't he? As Pastor Ryan said, uh, when he preached last, he said, Jesus said, I came for the sick. A doctor's for the sick, not for those who think they are well. Imagine going to the doctor's office and um, it's not a well checkup by any means. Oh, doctor, you know, I have this and that. Oh, they check you all out. Oh, you're all right. No, 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 no. I'm sick. I'm sick. Uh, well, I don't, I don't really see anything wrong with you. The doctor would think that's kind of strange, right? But when you go in and the doctor finds your symptoms and he knows exactly the unclean parts, the, the parts that need it the most, then he goes in and he can help you fix those things. I'm glad that I worship a Jesus who likes to go after the unclean parts of our heart, aren't you? Uh, and a lot of us, maybe you're sitting in the back going, uh, I'm not really unclean, but hey, Jesus, I'm so glad that you help those unclean people. I'm sorry, but my Bible says that all of us have fallen and have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all unclean. That's why I love church so much, because it's not like anyone's better than anyone else. It's not like, oh, I wish I could be like, you know, like Frank who just, you know, he has it all put together. I wish I could be like Bob who just, oh man, he's so perfect. God, I pray that you love me like you love him. That's what I love because church is a bunch of, of people gathered together to worship the perfect God, knowing that we are imperfect. That's why I love church so much because we can gather and we are imperfect people all here. We all have our unclean parts within ourselves, but Jesus comes out. He says, I'm going to go against the grain of what people think is going on over here, and I'm going to reach out. I'm going to touch your unclean parts of your heart, of your soul, of your mind. Jesus goes after the unclean. So he goes against the grain over here, and, uh, and he works on the dirty parts uh, of this guy's life, right? You guys ever seen that show, Dirty Jobs? Anyone ever seen that show before? So he goes around and he finds really nasty jobs that people do for a living and he gets kind of hands on with them and tries to help them figure it all out. I remember one episode was really gross and it was um, the washing of and sending back of cloth diapers. Just so gross, you know? Uh, where you go and you collect all the cloth diapers from people in bags and you set them out, they bring them to this laundry, they empty them out, they wash them, get them all sanitized and clean, and then uh, send them back out. It was a nasty episode, I'll tell you what. Um, but I'm glad that I worship a Jesus who not only just um, is only after the righteous, but the unrighteous, the unclean. And he goes against the grain there. So the Pharisees are, just imagine, you're sitting there, you're in this story, right? Just imagine the Pharisees maybe are looking around at Oh, he is not about to touch that man. What? He grabbed him by the hand. Start rumors. Put it on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we got to get this viral. This rabbi is touching an unclean man. But I love the fact that Jesus does that, and he shows everyone around, hey, I'm here after the unclean. Don't ever feel like you are so bad or so dirty that Jesus cannot help you because he helped all of us. And so I love the fact that Jesus goes against there and, um, and, and he, he decides, hey, I'm going to touch this man. I'm going to bring him outside 
the village. Why bring him outside the village? You ever wonder that? Why say, hey, come with me? But but Jesus, you can imagine the disciples. No, 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 Jesus, we want a crowd. We want, a, we want you to be on the top. We want everyone to see that, hey, this miracle happened. Jesus is like, no, come with me. Let's leave. Now, it's very interesting when you look up Bethsaida. Uh, it's also mentioned in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21. And here's what that says. Matthew chapter 11, verse 21. Bethsaida is actually mentioned when the, John the Baptist is around. And here's what it says. It says, doomed to you, Chorazin. Not Chorizo, Chorazin. Doom to you, Chorazin, doom Bethsaida. If Tyre and Sidon had seen half of the powerful miracles you have seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. At judgment day, they'll get off easy compared to you. And so uh, it, it starts out, it says that Jesus let fly on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had responded the least, shrugging their shoulders and going their own way. Now, doing a study of the city, this could have been the same village. It could have been separate, maybe the east side and the west side of Bethsaida. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that the same people that Jesus is talking about saying, we did everything possible, and yet you just kind of shrugged your shoulders and walked away. Maybe that had something to do with him leading out of the village. Many of you guys know that God loves to do his best work when we're alone with him. When we're not in a crowd of people, when we're not with a, a bunch of other people. God likes to do his best work in our hearts, on our lives, on our souls, when we're alone with him. When we're in that prayer closet. When we're one-on-one -on -one talking with God. God loves to do things in that moment. Uh, but a lot of times... Jesus has to take us out of that village because we're too busy hearing other people's voices. Some of us are wondering today, why can't I hear God like I used to? Some of us are wondering today, why can't I, I hear when God is speaking in my life? Why can't when I read the Bible, why can't I just, I mean, something is going on here. And I got to tell you today, maybe it's because a lot of times we have so many other voices in our ear, it's hard for us to listen to what God has to say. Maybe some of us, we have so much CNN and so much news going in our ears, we can't hear at all God's still small voice talking to us. Maybe of us have so much social media just blasting in our ear. By the way, has anyone ever scrolled through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything like that before and about 15, 20 minutes after you're done, you felt super encouraged about life? Very rare, right? Unless there's maybe like a birth announcement or something like, hey, yes, that's awesome. Oh, announcement, they're having a child. But very rarely do we scroll through social media or we turn on the news or whatever for a certain amount of time, and afterwards we just feel encouraged and ready to worship God. But maybe Jesus had to pull him out of the village because there were so many voices all around that he couldn't hear Jesus' still small voice with the miracle that was about to happen. I encourage you today, if you don't feel like you're hearing God right now, get away from all that. Silence all that stuff. Get into that quiet space in your life and just say, you know, I need, I need to spend one-on-one -on -one time with God 
There is so much out there in today's world just talking in my ear and all these different voices. I cannot hear the voice of God in our life. It's so hard to hear God's voice when there are so many others speaking into our ears. What voices do we need to silence for transformation in our lives? That's the question that I have for us today. What voices do we need to silence? So he goes on, he, he leads the man out, and then he does something very peculiar when it comes to a miracle. He spits in his eyes. Now, what did spitting mean back then? Well, spitting was disgraceful, meant for harm, disrespect. Spitting's just, I mean, that's a nasty way to heal someone, am I right? It's just, really? I mean, it, 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 I thought of this the other day. So last Sunday, we were watching the Browns game uh, with my wife. I mean, go Browns. They did what they could. There's always next year. And uh, But every time I noticed Baker Mayfield would hike the ball, and I see this with a lot of quarterbacks, they lick their hand. It is COVID, people. <laughs> you are trying to prevent a pandemic, and you are licking your hand before you hike the ball. Anyone noticed that before with quarterbacks? Now I'm a germaphobe, so I see that right away. A lot of these um, restrictions that were put into place, I actually already had them going on in my own life. I just never wore a mask because it would be weird to uh, to other people. They think I really had something. But a lot of the stuff, like, hey, I'm always sanitized, always washed. I became a germaphobe when I had kids. It's just way easier when your kids aren't sick. Am I right? Just way easier. But I saw Baker Mayfield hike the ball and just licking his hands before almost every play going, that ball is touching so many people's hands. That poor, that poor ball boy, you know, just all these players. Spit is just so full of germs. It's just, a, it's just gross, right? Now there's some speculation as I, as I went and studied with this, uh, with this unconventional healing that took place. Some people think it's a representation of Jesus taking something unclean and making it clean, making it into a miracle. You know, what's interesting is this unconventional way of healing. Uh, a lot of us want a miracle. A lot of us want transformation in our lives. You know what the crazy thing is, is we want to tell God how to do it, right? We want to tell God, I, I really need a new job, and I prefer maybe an extra figure in my salary. Thank you, Lord. God, I, I, I need you to change my life, but I don't want to silence the voices in order to hear yours to change it. Isn't it crazy how we give God kind of rules and regulations for healing us? Imagine this blind man. I mean, just hearing Jesus kind of spit and you're in that. Put yourself in his shoes, kind of sitting there like, all right, so Jesus, all you got to do is say the word. I've heard you do this stuff before. Just say the word and let me be healed and I can be on my way. What's, what's going on? That, that's not what I meant. No, 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 that's gross. Don't do that. Why are you touching my eyes with that spit? Isn't that, we laugh, but isn't that what we do? We want transformation from God, but a lot of times we want to tell him how to do it. God, we need this, we need that. Lord, I, I need a new vehicle. I am just, please have someone bless me with a new vehicle, preferably 2010 or higher. Low miles, I'll give you a little written out statement of what kind of car I want for someone to donate to me. Isn't that how we are? We don't want things unconventional, right? 
We want things, this is how we want healing. But God is saying, hey, listen, if you want this healing to take place, if you want this transformation, this miracle to take place in your life, you have to let me be in charge. That's part of how the miracle happens. That's part of how the transformation happens. Now, the spitting part was likely done to separate the eyelids that were usually gummed together when a, when a, bl a person that was blind um, you know, that's usually what happened is their eyelids would get stuck together and required a, uh, but this did not require a miracle to restore the sight. So Jesus kind of uses the physical aspect of things and then he uses the miracle to actually do the sight restoring. It's interesting. Sometimes uh, we want God to do everything. And God is saying, well, you are physically capable of doing this. I'm giving you all the ingredients to make the cake and you want the cake already made. We want the cake already made, right? But, but God, I, I want this new thing in my life, so I'm just going to take uh, prayer naps on my couch, and you'll provide the job that's right for me. A lot of times, we want the cake already made, and God is saying, hey, I'll help you. I'll do the physical, but, but I'll do the what, what you cannot do, but sometimes you have to do what you can do. And so he goes on and he, and he spits on the guy's eyes. And it's interesting because that's kind of almost the primer to the miracle, isn't it? You know what a primer bulb is when you're, I know I'm talking like I'm all handy and yeah, I worked on lawnmower for three hours and I got it running again. Uh, I, I'm not that handy, but a primer, you know, when you start the lawnmower up, you got to push it a couple times to get the gas flowing. And it's interesting because this is almost a primer for the miracle to take place. Hey, I'll tell you what, guys, this morning, do not, do not forget the primer, the beginning stages of a miracle. Don't forget that time when, when it just starts off. Don't underestimate the primer in a miracle because God is just beginning to work on your life. So those little things you may not take as, as wins in your life, hey, God is doing something great in your life. Keep it up. Those little things that may not matter, they'll matter in the long run. And so Jesus goes through, he spits on the man's eyes, and then he decides to ask him, do you see? Now this is, like I said, the only miracle uh, that's recorded in Scripture that's a gradual healing in all the Bible. A lot of times it was instantaneous, just bam, you're healed. Bam, your leprosy's gone. Bam, this happened. But it's the only miracle that's gradual healing in the Bible. I'm here to tell you guys today that one miracle in one person's life is not going to be the same in another. A lot of times we go through and, and we're looking at other people's lives and God is doing so many great things in their lives. God, I pray that you do something great in my life and it's not, this, it's not working out the same. But, but God, they got something so much faster than I did. God, they got healed and I didn't. God, they got blessed when, when things were financially just awful and, and, and I'm still waiting. God, their, their child got saved. I've been praying for my child for 15 years and nothing? What is going on here? But God is using this miracle, I feel like, to show that one person's life is not the same as yours. That God will do things differently sometimes in your life than in someone else's. And you know what? Sometimes we don't see the rough patches that someone else went through to get to where they are. Some of us did not see those times where someone could barely find stuff to eat. And then finally they got a good job on financial blessing and they were able to continue on 
with things. Some of us don't look at the times when that parent was on their knees praying for their son or their daughter every single day that God would do something great in their life. A lot of us, we didn't see that time. So we look at people's highlight reels and try to compare them to ours, but God works differently in everyone's life. But I'll tell you what, God's timing is always perfect. And so regardless of whether uh, something a miracle took place, transformation took place in someone's life, it's not going to happen the same possibly in yours. But that doesn't mean to lose hope. Don't give up. Don't give up because God will continue to do something. Imagine the, the march around Jericho. If the people marching around Jericho stopped one time short that God told him to. Imagine you're praying for a miracle and you, you just automatically just stopped praying for it. I remember in elementary school, this girl would pray every single morning. I went to a Christian school, and she'd pray every single morning. Any prayer requests? I think I was in the fifth grade. And every morning she prayed that my dad would get saved, that my dad would get saved, my dad would get saved. Finally, it got to the point where we all knew she was going to say it. So we'd any prayer requests, and we'd all look at her, that my dad would get saved. At the time, we were like, okay, God already knows you want your dad saved. Just, uh, uh, just cut it out. Even when, when she wasn't there, some people would raise their hands. Pray that her dad would get saved, right? And, and nothing and nothing and nothing. And uh, it turns out, I found this a couple of years ago, that her dad actually ended up getting saved and, uh, and that he's now uh, following God. He's going to church and everything like that. But it was those constant times that she did not give up. She may have looked foolish that my dad would get saved. Like just a, you prayed that for a whole entire year, and nothing happened, maybe you should just give up. If God wants to save your dad, then he'll save your dad. There's real, you know, no, she kept on going. Imagine the faith that that produced in her life. So I'm telling you today, don't give up. God is still working in your life. Look at the past wins before. Look at the little things. And do not give up. God is doing something great in your life. And the healing will continue. So he goes on to say, he laid hands on his eyes again, and this time his sight was restored. And he sends him home saying, do not enter the village. He's saying, don't go where you once were. Don't go back in your past. Don't go back to that hang up. Don't go back to that village. Some of us, God does something in our life, and then we want to go back to what we used to have before. Some of us, God has completely transformed our lives, and we're living in freedom now, only to go back to wanting to be put back in shackles. He's already broken the chains, but yet time after time, we want to go back to once again put those chains back on, like they feel comfortable. Going back to the village maybe would have felt comfortable, right? But we don't want comfortable. We don't want comfortable. And so Jesus heals this man, he sends it back. It says, restored to original state. He had perfect vision, 2020. So along the way, somehow, this man gets blind, and Jesus goes in and restores his vision. Isn't that the story of life? You know, our perfect restoration took place? Took place back in Genesis. Everything was perfect. And then sin entered the world. And constantly, what Jesus is trying to do, he's trying to bring us back to that perfect restoration. 
where God said, you know, what, what happened here? Sin entered the world. How are we ever going to, I, I want my people to live with me forever. So he sends his son, God wrapped in flesh. Can you imagine leaving heaven? Everything's perfect. And you literally are in heaven and say, okay, um, I'm going to have to go down in human form as Jesus to save the world, live as a human being. Imagine how hard that is. But that was God's plan of restoration so that one day we could live with him forever in heaven. The Bible always points back to that, always points back to restoration and, and what Jesus did for us and all the scripture. And so we see here that it's actually uh, this miracle. It kind of parallels. If you keep reading down, I'll read the next uh, three verses after. But if you keep reading down, it actually parallels well. And this is where I'll close this morning. It parallels well with the story right after that. Uh, in verse 27, Mark chapter 8. If you can go there real quick. Right after this. Jesus and his disciples headed out for the villages around Caesarea Philippi. As they walked, he asked, who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? Some say John the baptizer, they said. Others say Elijah. Still others say one of the prophets. He then asked, and you, what are you saying about me? Who am I? Peter gave the answer because Peter was always a loudmouth and wanted to be first in everything. So Peter gave the answer. He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah. You are Christ, the Messiah. Doesn't this miracle just go hand in hand with the disciples have that vision that's blocked of who Jesus is? They're hanging out with him. He's doing, he literally just fed the 5,000, like right before. You still don't see who this guy is you're hanging out with? He literally just heals this blind man and time after time after time. So it's almost like Jesus is taking this blind man's story and he's putting it in a parallel of foreshadowing of his disciples seeing exactly who Jesus was. Now, Messiah meant a couple different terms uh, to the disciples than it meant for Jesus. See, the Messiah in, uh, in the disciples, what they were thinking is they're thinking, okay, Jesus, you came to overtake political governments. You came to overthrow. We're coming in, swords ablazing. We're going to take over politics, government, uh, you know, all these kings and all that. Herod, you're nobody. Jesus is going to overtake everyone. He's going to be king of the world, sitting on his throne with us next to him. That was the disciples kind of, that's what they thought Jesus was as far as Messiah um, I encourage you to read a little bit after this. Jesus exactly says what he came to do and what you are to do to follow him. He goes on and he says, you must die to your desire. Imagine what the disciples thought. Yeah, Jesus, you know, you're the Messiah. You're going to overtake everyone. We're going to be your followers. We're going to rule one day. Well, in order to follow me, you got to die to yourself. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, you got to die to your flesh daily. He actually reprimands Peter at a time, at one time, and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus calling you Satan is not a good thing. But why did he do that? He did that because Peter had man's desires. He didn't have God's desires at hand. Peter had man's thoughts. Jesus is saying, you need to think like God. 
You need to think like, like me. You need to die to yourself daily. That is who I am. You have to follow my will, setting our mind on things of God, not things of man. I'll tell you what, this morning, some of us need to hear that governments, politics, all that stuff, that is not eternal. Our world is not eternal. We got a timeline going on, and the timeline keeps going that way. That's eternity. You know where we are right now? A speck. A speck. Eternity lasts forever. And I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who, when people see me, they see someone who believes that there is only one king on the throne that reigns over our life. And that's Jesus, because he's eternal. Nothing else matters. So think about that in our each and everyday lives. What are we thinking that's God's thoughts? What are we thinking that's man's thoughts? What's going to bring more people to him? These thoughts that just last right now, these man, these man-made fleshly desires or something that's saying, hey, none of this matters because you know what? I'm going to live with Jesus forever in heaven. This is only a speck in the timeline. Some of us, I feel like we need to be encouraged by that today, thinking, you know what? Some of the stuff that I've taken into consideration, things that are giving me anxiety, things that are messing with me on a constant daily basis, I need to let them go because I got to put Jesus first. I got to make him the Messiah, not have the disciples thought, give me a sword, let's go, we're ready, charge. But on the other hand, going, I follow the true Jesus that says you got to die to yourself daily. I want to post that, but I got to think like God. I want to send that message, but I'm going to think like God. I want to say to that person, as reluctantly as we want to, but I got to think like God. God thoughts. Die to yourself daily. Pick up your cross and follow me. That is what Jesus says we are to do. So as reluctant as we are, just, man, so many times, anyone else go, can I admit, I go back to the flesh quite a bit. Anyone else do that? Can this be like a confession time? All right, we got three honest people. Great. I'm with you. We'll gather in a group after. I keep wanting to go back to those. I want to say that. I want to do that. I want to post that. I want to be that. I want to act like that. And so many times, that's why Jesus says daily, because guess what? There's a new day, a new morning. You could wake up and say, Jesus, forgive me. It's time to, to live a new day for you. Oh, I messed up. Jesus, another new day to live for you. Every morning, his mercies are new every morning. Let's remember that this morning. As we close, I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And uh, I just want to pray for those today. Maybe you're just, you're stuck in a rut. Maybe this morning you've been just, you've been thinking so many other people are having these breakout miracles and things are going great in your life and you feel like God hasn't even looked at you in months. Maybe you've been praying for something and you just gave up praying. And God is saying, don't give up. This miracle was gradual. It was not instantaneous. Maybe you have not made God first in your life. And you're so focused on other people's voices that, you know what? You haven't heard God's voice in a while. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you just need better people to surround you. 
like this, this blind man, had these people point him towards Jesus. Maybe you need to find some people like that in your life. But I encourage you today, maybe you've, you've given up. And I encourage you this morning and say, don't give up. God is still working. There is still progress. Some of us need to graduate to the gradual miracle. Where that instant miracle, that instant, and right there, his sight was restored. But we didn't see the gradual beforehand. So maybe that's you this morning and, and just something spoke to you and you say, CJ, can you just pray for me this morning? With every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand real quick, put it back down and say, pray for me this morning. Let's pray. God, for those that raised their hands this morning, Lord, I pray that first off you would bless them. God, we thank you so much that, that this miracle shows so much with this contact point with you where the man was never the same again. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us. For those this morning who have given up, God, I pray that you would restore their sight 2020. Lord, for those this morning who maybe they've been praying for someone or, or something has happened, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them this morning and keep on praying. You have not left them yet. God, for those who need a miracle and they thought, you know, they saw a couple things, maybe that primer part of the miracle, maybe that beginning stage, but then nothing else happened after that. Lord, I pray that you would help them know that your timing is always perfect. God, for those this morning who need to just push everything to the side, push all those voices away, push all the, the media and anything and everything that's getting in the way of us representing you the best that we can, that we would make you Lord of our life, that we would think your thoughts, not our thoughts, that we would die to our flesh daily. God, that's a hard thing to do. We can't do it without you, but we thank you so much that you're there with us every step of the way. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.